Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, we're going to continue in uh, Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We have uh, talked about, recently we've talked about uh, Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6 about give, uh, the, the giving and the prayer and the fasting, and specifically the heart of the matter and the, heart of our, uh, the motives of our hearts in regards to those three uh, particular parts of our Christian life. And Jesus really bringing it always down to why are you doing what you're doing, right? What is it that you, motivates you to pray? What is it that motivates you to give? And what is it that motivates you to fast? Funny thing is, is I pre- last week I preached about fasting. If you were here, you were, remember that. And then somebody brought me some ribs that evening. <laughs> they were good, though. I appreciate them. I appreciate it. So today we're going to look in uh, Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 19 and we're going to read a little bit more of Jesus teaching but first I want to read this uh, short paragraph to you researchers have found almost no correlation between income levels and happiness right get your attention now (laughs) between 1957 and 1990 income levels in the US doubled yet at the same period People's levels of happiness did not increase. In fact, reports of depression actually increased tenfold. Yeah? Incidents of divorce, suicide, alcoholism, and drug abuse also rose dramatically. So where do you think we're going to go this morning? When it comes to the teachings of Christ and the, the matters of our hearts... Today, we're going to see that Jesus sums up everything that he's been teaching since chapter 5 started. Remember the Beatitudes, blessed are these and blessed are those, and and so on. And then he talked about, I am the fulfillment of the law, I didn't come to abolish the law. And then he goes on into the rest of the teaching that that led us up to where we are today in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19. Verse 19 starts off. Let me get it up on the screen for you. Hello. There it goes. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body, and your, if, your eye, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then finally, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, either that they will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. We're going to break this down hopefully into three sections if I can stay on my notes and finish on in a timely manner for y'all, right? So first we're going to look at verses 19 to 21 and see where that goes while you're putting your fingers there. And matter of fact, you might want to get a piece of paper out, maybe the back of your bulletin or back of something, because I'm going to give you a list of some things that you might want to write down with some scriptures attached, scripture verse attached to it you can look up later. Just a little note. While you're doing that, let me read this to you. It's called The Voices of the World. 
Appetite says be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Education says be resourceful and, sp and expand yourself. Materialism says be satisfied and please yourself. Psychology says be confident and fulfill yourself. Pride says be superior and promote yourself. And humanism says be capable, capable and believe in yourself. If you don't know what humanism is, if you've never heard about humanism, it's basically uh, the idea of the, it's the pursuit of happiness. That's what humanism is. Whatever makes me happy, that's what I'm in pursuit of. In fact, it's been preached in the past by a few that humanism is the new golden calf of society. Right? So think about those things and think about why are you, I'm going to ask you these questions to think about while we're studying. Why are you a believer and what is your Christian life all about? What do you pursue as a believer? Verse 19 to 21, we, we just read, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves and break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And notice I highlighted this last sentence, For where your, heart, your, your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We've heard that a hundred times if we've heard it once. Where your heart is, you'll find your treasure. There, you, there your treasure is, right? You, you've heard people say one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's why uh, flea markets are successful. That's why auctions are successful, right? That's why garage sales and yard sales can be successful because what you think might not be valuable, someone else might be looking for and hold it dear to their heart and spend their money on it, right? There's nothing wrong at all with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with, with having things and pursuing things, right? Because we do live in a material world, don't we? If I could live without cash, I would love it. Because some of the most stressful things that people deal with is the pursuit of funding their life. I'm, I'm not talking about the excess. I'm just talking about putting food on the table and a roof over your head. It can be difficult at times, Right? Especially for young people just getting started out and they don't have the things that some of the older crowd has worked their whole life for. What are the treasures on earth that Jesus is referring to? Right? And we can make a list, couldn't we? I could go around the room and say, what do you think are the treasures on earth that Jesus is talking about? And we would all be right. Whatever list we would make, we would be correct. Whatever we believe is valuable that comes from this world is what Jesus was referring to. The treasures of the earth. What the earth can provide for you. What the world has to offer. Right? That's why he says, don't store up for yourselves those things. He's not saying you can't have things. He's saying don't hoard them because you think they're more valuable than what they really should be. Right? A treasure is anything considered to be valuable, right? I, I don't have no use for many vegetables, but vegetarians think they're the best thing in the world, right? That's a simple comparison. I'm a meat guy. I like meat, in case you didn't notice, <laughs> right? But if that's what my whole life is about, then there's a problem, isn't there? 
Whatever it is that is, is valuable to you, I think it's, there's gotta, you've got to investigate why is it valuable to you? And why do you pursue it? And I'm not just talking about things. I'm talking about ways of life. I'm talking about status. I'm talking about uh, even the things that we love dearly and we should love dearly like our relatives, my wife, my children. It's proper to love them with all of your heart. It's proper to lavish them with every bit of love that you have for them, isn't it? And then some. However, if even that is more valuable to you than God himself, there's a problem. Right? God wants to be number one. That's why he said in Exodus, there shall not be any other God before me. And the treasures of the earth are the things that we obsess about, the things that we pursue to the point of sacrifice to gain. This is how you know what your treasures are that you need to ask God to help you with. Please don't understand that I'm saying that we can't have things and be successful and, 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 and obtain a good life and all of that. God wants us to enjoy the things of this world, but he does not want them to become a God over him. And that's what Jesus is referring to. Right? So be careful that we're not pursuing the things of this world in a way that puts them above God. Because if that's true, then he's not our God. And whatever that treasure is becomes your God. Right? And I will, I will say that the Bible tells us, and I, from experience of, of doing funerals, no one has ever been blessed for eternity from, from the treasures of this world. I've never seen anyone take anything with them. They leave it behind to be a blessing to someone else, which is great, right? So what about these treasures in heaven then? So he's making a comparison, right? Jesus is saying, okay, there's treasures on earth, there's treasures in heaven. Right? So what about those things? What is valuable in the kingdom of God? What would you say is valuable to, to God? What would you say is the most valuable thing in the presence of God, in the kingdom of God, since how those of us who are believers are children of God, that living in the kingdom of God, serving the kingdom of God, and representing the kingdom of God, what would we say is the most valuable thing in the kingdom of God? Souls of the lost. So valuable that Jesus would come into this world and die on the cross. So valuable that a, such a sacrifice would be made because God's heart is after the souls of his creation. See, that's what, that's what I was about to say a moment ago and I distracted myself. When you, if you want to know what's valuable to you, what, what the treasure of your heart is, just ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice over? What am I willing to do to get things. See, we, when, we, when we make sacrifice to gain something or to pursue something or to, to get something or whatever it is, it's because we want it. It's a treasure to us. Right? And then we have to ask ourselves as believers, if God is our God, right, and, and, our, and he's valuable to us, his love is valuable to us, his grace is valuable to us, the kingdom of God has value to us, are we making sacrifice to live in it? 
Are we making sacrifice to gain? Not that we're earning, don't, don't misunderstand. But I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be as close to God as I possibly can. Which means that some things in my life have to go. Because they distract me from getting closer to God. Or they cause me to have a, a problem in my relationship with God because they're sinful. Because sinful things are things that we enjoy. And when you have to give up what you enjoy, that's a sacrifice, isn't it? I will sacrifice just about anything for my son and my wife. Except for God. You see? And I think most of us who are married and have children would agree. God first. And every other treasure second. But it gets deeper than that. When we get down to, you can't serve two masters, I'll let you know. By the way, the scripture, and here's where you can make your list on your piece of paper if you want to do it. I'll have it up here, you can write it down. The scripture talks about five crowns that can be offered to us, that we can obtain believers, that are there for the believer, for us to, to obtain, right? These are crowns of, from the kingdom of God. The first one is the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 4 talks about it. Not our righteousness, God's righteousness. If you study the armor of God, it talks about all these things as well. The crown of righteousness is living in God's righteousness. The blood of Christ covers us, and because we are covered by the blood of Christ, we may stand it before a holy God, the crown of righteousness. I'm going to summarize these quickly because I will be here all day if I don't. The second being the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Philippians chapter 4 make mention of these. If, if There's no one that's going to stand in the presence of God and not rejoice. Because the ones who aren't rejoicing, the ones who aren't saved, the ones who don't get to stay in his presence for eternity will not be rejoicing, will they? God will say to them, I don't know who you are because we've never had a relationship. Get away. That's harsh, isn't it? But that's the truth. And it's not because God didn't love them. It's because they didn't receive God's love. And forever and ever, when this world is over, when Jesus comes back, when your life or my life is over, rejoicing will happen. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. The next one being the crown of glory, 1 Peter chapter 5. God's glory, once again. The glory of God, the presence of his holiness living in you. Everything that happens, everything that God does through you all, all throughout this life in this world brings glory to God. And you get to be in the blessing of that because you're in the presence of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit is in your life. And then the crown of life, of course, talking about salvation. Eternal life. There's no other life. If, you, if you're not living in eternal life right now, if you're not saved by the blood of Christ, by faith in Jesus as your Lord, then you are a dead person walking. You're already dead. Right? The crown of life, what Jesus died so that we could receive by grace. Isn't it sweet? I should be having a bunch of amens this morning. If we're talking about rewards in heaven. We're talking about the presence of God. We're talking about salvation. And then there's the everlasting crown, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the crown that no one, it, it never expires. There's no expiration date, right? It's for eternity. 
Everlasting life with God. That's, you can't get a better deal, can you? Nowhere. And it's, uh, you can't get a better deal because none of us deserve it. Notice all of these are attributes of the presence of God. All of, none of these happen unless you're in the presence of God. What we would describe as heaven. What we would describe his presence, the Holy Spirit, right? We're not experiencing the fullness of what we're reading about, what, we're, what I'm talking about, until we leave here and go and be with the Lord in, in a place that we know is heaven, in the presence of God for eternity. Then it's way more than we could ever expect, all of these things. But notice what I have on the screen. Revelation chapter 4, you can read that John describes seeing the believers lay their crowns before the throne. Why would you suppose they did that? Why would you suppose that John would see this vision of what heaven is like, right? He's, get, he's getting this vision from God about the presence of heaven in his throne, and all of the believers that were there that he's seeing are laying these crowns at his feet, at the feet of the throne. Do we get rewards or not? Yes. But if we are believers... And our treasures are the same as God's treasures. If our will is the same as His will, if we're totally surrendered to Him, then the treasures belong to Him, don't they? Because without Him, there is no treasure. Without God, there's nothing to desire, there's nothing to pursue, there's nothing to gain. So Jesus is not just not talking about material things here. He's always, since chapter 5, since he began to teach on the side of the mountain, he's always been talking about the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God and the people that are, are, are involved in that. And then he goes on to explain a little bit more. Verse 22 and 23 says this here. The eye is the lamp to the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If you're not careful, you'll sit back and say, well, okay, now Jesus is talking in riddles now. Now you're making any sense. There's an if there. The eye is the lamp to the body. It's a statement. The eyes are what you allow things to come and go. What you look at, what you choose to focus on is your choice. But what's directing that is the desire of your heart. This is why the temptation is so great, right? Because you're only tempted by something that you think you really want, that you treasure, that your heart thinks is valuable, that you need or want. And, you, and you're saying, I can't get away. The devil makes me. No, the devil doesn't make you do it. You want it. Your heart desires it. That's why it's a struggle. And Jesus is saying, the eye, what you're looking at, is what is, what is going to direct your treasure. We get to choose if we want to change what's valuable. The closer we get to God, the more we want of God. Isn't that true? The less time we spend with God, the more we want the world. It's really that simple when you say it. But when we go out the doors and go do it, it's a whole other struggle, isn't it? It's where the young people say the struggle is real. Because <laughs> it is real. 
If the eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Why, why do I care if my whole body's full of light? What is light? If you're talking about uh, using words to paint a picture of the kingdom of God, what would light be? Truth, God, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, everything that we're trying to show the world that's real so that they might be saved. And if we're going to go out and make disciples and be the witness, then we need to be what? The light. We need to be like Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light. I am the truth. I am the way. So we need to be the light and allow the spirit of God to be that in us so that when people are living in the darkness and the church shows up, then the lightness, can, the, the lightness, then the light can be seen. Make sense? The, the bad part about when light, when somebody turns a light on and everybody's doing something wrong, it's bad, isn't it? That's why most bad deeds are done in the darkness. Right? Nobody has wild parties on Wednesday morning or 10 o'clock on the Wednesday morning. It's usually on Friday or Saturday night, late in the evening when nobody's looking. Just a thought. But if your eyes are bad, if you're focused on God, then you will be the witness and light will, God will shine out of you and you will go and make disciples and you will love God and you will love the world and God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. If your eyes are bad, right? Look what it says. Your whole body will be full of darkness. Turned over. You will, be, you will, you will surrender yourself to the darkness, to the sinful ways, to the world and what the world has to offer. And the desires of your heart, what your heart treasures, will be the darkness. Right? It's, it's difficult because there's nothing wrong with wanting and having things that the world offers as long as it's not sinful. But when they become more important than God and his kingdom, then we have problems. Because it becomes sinful. You've created a God. Sometimes without even knowing it. Look at this last sentence. It says, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I wish Jesus would just say it so we could understand it sometimes. Right? If the light within you is darkness. Now, how, how is that possible for light to be darkness? If the God within you is sin... If the God within you is not God, that's what he means, then how great could that God be? If you're serving and chasing after and treasuring something that's not God, might not even be sinful, then how great can that be for you? How, can, how great can that idol be for you? That's why it's not wrong to have things and be successful and pursue uh, some good things in life and some possessions and whatever happiness even. But if, we're, if it becomes our God, our master, if it, be, if it rules everything that we do and pulls us away from God and becomes more important than God and we start making sacrifices in our life to gain whatever that pursuit is, but we never make sacrifices to pursue God and His will, then there's a problem, isn't there? How great is that darkness? Think about all the people that worship any other God but our God. How sad. How sad it is for them. 
Not that we're great and we got it figured out, but they're worshiping someone or something that will not deliver, will not save, cannot bless for eternity. So many people are going to be so surprised when they leave this world and stand before a holy God because they didn't put God first because the desires of their heart were for anything and everything else including self right? humanism humanism is the pursuit of happiness for self meaning self is God and it's my job to make self happy at all costs including sacrifice if that's my God then I will make sacrifices so that self will be happy you want, a, you want an example of that? There's a bunch of people that don't come to church, won't come to church, won't even read the Bible because the Bible and the preaching and the fellowship of the body of Christ doesn't make them happy. In fact, it makes them uncomfortable. It makes them unhappy because the truth is there and they have to deal with it. Say, you can say amen, I, I say amen. The problem is the same thing is true for the believers. And it's even more sad for the believers because the believers won't even come to church sometimes. Because they have other things to do besides worship God and serve Him. If the light within you is darkness, if the God that you serve is not God and His holiness, how great can that God be? Right? So let's go on to verse 24 and then we'll be finished. <laughs> Here it is, summed up totally. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And we, we're familiar with this. We know this, and we say this all the time. A servant is a person who is owned by a master. The master has possession of. Not friends, not worked for, owned. Well, preacher, we, we, slave, we don't do slavery around here. Well, let me just tell you, if you're a believer, if you're saved by the blood of Christ, you are purchased by the blood of Christ and God is your master. Right? That makes you a servant to the king, servant to the kingdom of God. The blessing is that our, our master loves us enough to consider us his own and put us in a place of ambassadorship. Go out and represent my kingdom as if you are family because you are. Because I love you and you're mine. And the only reason he had to purchase you is because you and I sold ourselves to sin. And we had to be bought back. Make sense? That's why he's the master. And I'm totally fine with that. I hope you are. We all have a master. Whether you're saved or not saved, we all serve a master. And this is what Jesus is trying to point out in this particular part of his teaching. Whatever, wherever your treasure is, that's the master that you will serve. Whatever drives you, that's the master that you will serve. Is it money? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it uh, popularity? What is it? 
that's driving you? What is it that you will go to the ends of the world for to obtain? What will you sacrifice everything you have for so that you can have success in? For the believers, Jesus is saying it's supposed to be God the Father, the Holy Creator, the one who loves you enough to sacrifice for you. For the believers, the one who says, I will sacrifice whatever I need to sacrifice to serve my Lord, my Master, so that others can be saved. Not because I owe it, not because it's demanded, because I want to. Because the treasure in my heart is the souls of the lost, just like it is the, our God. Isn't that great? So when he says, uh, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he's saying, win as many souls as you can for Christ. Because that's what God treasures. And if we're going to be like Christ, then our treasure would be his treasure, wouldn't it? Souls for Christ. That's why we sing victory in Jesus when somebody gets saved. That's why we sing praises when somebody gets saved, when somebody turns their life over to Christ, when God blesses somebody by allowing them to experience the grace that we've all experienced. Every person will sacrifice to serve their God. Every person will sacrifice something to serve their God. The question for us is, as believers, are we sacrificing to serve our God? I'm not trying to slam anybody down. I'm saying we need to make sure that our sacrifices and our willingness and our pursuit is after the pursuit of what God treasures. We're looking for what God treasures, what makes him happy, what pleases the master, what makes the master happy. Because I can tell you this, the master and every other being in heaven jump for joy the moment that you and I got saved. So why wouldn't we be in hot pursuit of more people to be saved? Isn't that great? The King James uses the word mammon instead of money, right? You cannot serve both God and money. The King James Version, I like to use that particular version in this case because it uses the word mammon. The word mammon is uh, speculated to be either a word that was used to describe pagan gods Right? The pagan gods of wealth and money and whatever. Or it's a Hebrew uh, word or, or an old Hebrew word that uh, kind of meant anything that had to do with wealth. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. But it really, it really can be translated in our day so that we can understand it by using the word materialism. Right? Because Americans in the United States of America... We, we, we love our veterans, right? And we love the sacrifices that they made and we're grateful so that we can pursue the stuff that we want to pursue freely. We can live this blessed and lavish life of freedom. We have more than any other place in this world, don't we? And it's great as long as it doesn't become our God. The kingdom of God is like, this is what Jesus is teaching and I'm closing up with this here. Oh, by the way, that's where, that's where my King James Version was. You can read it for yourself. Jesus teaches the kingdom of God is like, and the kingdom of people are like, right? This is what the kingdom of God is like. 
They're people who know that they're sinners, people who are remorseful over their sin, people who have repented, people who know how to give, people who know how to pray, people who know how to fast, people who are uh, loving their enemies, turning the other cheek. You know, all the stuff we've been studying because their hearts are motivated by the grace of God which lives in their heart. And God is our God and he's our master. So this is what the people, the kingdom of God is like. This is not our home, y'all. You've heard us sing about that. This is not our home. But yet we spend so much energy building up this place so that we can be happy. And God is asking us, why are you doing that? Are you using any of that for the kingdom? Because if you are, then great. Because God gave it to you for that reason. You have what you have so that you can use it for the kingdom of God in some way, form, or fashion. Right? If you're wealthy, that's great. If you're poor, that's, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. You can, you can be broke and still be in, at fault here. You can be richer than everybody in the world and be at fault here. Right? I've seen, you can, I've seen some people that are, just don't have any money at all. Never have had money. None of, none of the, they grew up in a family that never had any money, and they're happy with that, and they're satisfied with that. And you would think, well, I'd like to be like them. Yet when you go try to take what little they do have, they'll fight you for it. <laughs> right? Materialism. Is it there for you or is it there for God to use? Is it there for you to enjoy and consume or is it there for you to uh, use to make yourself available for ministry and valuable for ministry? It's not sinful to have things. It's not sinful to be successful. It's a matter of the heart. I'm going to read this again to you because I, I left off the last part. The voices of the world says this. Appetite says be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Education says be resourceful and expand yourself. Materialism says be satisfied and please yourself. Psychology says be confident and fulfill yourself. Pride says be superior and promote yourself. And humanism says be capable and believe in yourself. And what I did not read the first time, God says be wise and humble yourself. Jesus is simply saying, what is on your heart? What drives you? What are you chasing after and why? What are the desires of your heart? What it, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Right? It's not sinful to not come to church. It's not sinful to not go to Bible study. You don't get saved by doing those things. Right? Coming to church and studying the Bible with your fellow believers is just evidence of your spiritual growth. Do you, when you have to miss Bible study or you have to miss church, does it bother you? When you can't go and do the ministry in the world with the other believers, does it bother you? Right? Because the ones who seem to want to be somewhere else than where the church is serving the Lord, they see getting involved in the church as a sacrifice that they're not willing to make for whatever it is they got to do. Right? Instead of sacrificing something else to go and serve the Lord somewhere. Sometimes we get it backwards. This is what Jesus is teaching about. God loves y'all. And Jesus was teaching this so that people would understand it. 
so that they would have an opportunity to have God help them make it what it needs to be in their life. Not as a smackdown, you're doing it wrong, you terrible people. Jesus is exposing the kingdom of God to the people so that they can say, I want that in my life. And that's true for me and you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time, right? Because none of this matters if you're not not saved. If you haven't surrendered to Jesus as your Savior and made God the Father your Lord and Master, it's all for nothing, isn't it? You're just serving some other master. But if you are saved and you are a believer and God is doing great things in your life, then give him the glory and praise him and continue on and ask him for, for more opportunities to do the same. But if this is a struggle in your life, and if, if it comes and goes as a struggle, or if it's always been a struggle, just turn to God. Call out to God and say, look, I want this to be part of my life. I want to be what you want me to be for you. That's it. Now we can sing. If you need to make a decision for the Lord, come down here and decide. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what it takes to start a journey with Christ.